Welcome back to Copy This, the podcast about copyright. The show is brought to you by the Recreate Coalition. In this episode, we're trying something a little different with the format. Let us know what you think. On June 28, 2018, Drake released his album, Scorpion. Within a day, the Instagram user Shiggy uploaded a video of himself dancing to the song, In My Feelings. He added the hashtag, do the Shiggy, and soon, countless people were uploading videos of themselves doing Shiggy's dance moves to Drake's song. Will Smith even did it on top of a bridge in Budapest. There's no way. No way this is legal. And for those who couldn't quite figure out the choreography, there are plenty of handy tutorials that broke it down for you. We're riding. Drake wants to know if you're riding, so let's go. Are you riding? Hey. Within a couple weeks, In My Feelings was a number one hit and a viral dance craze. And when the music video was later released, it incorporated Shiggy's choreography, starred Shiggy himself, and even included clips of other social media users doing their versions of Shiggy's dance. So what began as simply a new song by Drake turned into something bigger. Shiggy created a new dance craze, social media users perpetuated this dance craze, and then Drake incorporated these elements back into the official music video. In My Feelings became bigger than Drake and bigger than Shiggy. It became a work that was co-authored by its fans. Casey Ray is a music business executive, cultural critic, and media professor. He describes this new method of creation as a feedback loop between artists and fans. The source creators are not in a vacuum themselves, and they're inspired by what they see uh, happening online as well. And so you kind of get that, that feedback loop between creator and audience that probably wouldn't have happened quite like this in the past. But really, who cares about In My Feelings? It's just a song. It's just a dance craze. It's just a viral meme. But many think In My Feelings is more than this. It's the most recent example of how our participation and culture has changed over the years. This is important to how we create, and it's important to the future of copyright. Because this is what the future looks like. But it's not what the past looked like at all. We used to get culture, songs, stories, images, books, articles, ideas through physical media. These were objects like books, films, videotape, audio tape, records, newspapers, magazines. So if you wanted to hear an album, you needed a compact disc. If you wanted to watch a movie, you needed a DVD. If you wanted to read a book, you needed, you know, the book. Culture has relied on physical media since the invention of the printing press in 1439. The majority of copyright law was written to address printing presses. Our laws were configured for the age of physical copies. Copyright is quite literally about the right to make copies, on paper at first, then on film or vinyl or tape or optical media or whatever. We're writing on the internet, cyberspace set free, hello virtual reality. But things started to change rapidly in 1993. This is when the first popular web browser, Mosaic, was released. If you had a modem connected to your phone line, you could load up Mosaic and access something called the World Wide Web, which had been invented by Tim Berners-Lee a few years earlier. It was a slow and clunky experience, but it was also clearly promising and exciting. So much so that many dubbed this new media form the information superhighway. As the thing was tap, tap, tap into the superhighway, mm-hmm. computers tap, tap, tap into each other. On the web, you could read, you could view photos, and as speeds improved, you could even listen to music or watch videos. The internet was every kind of media all at once. Imagine a world where every word ever written 
Every picture ever painted and every film ever shot could be viewed instantly in your home via an information superhighway, a high-capacity digital communications network. And it did all this without any need for physical copies. It dealt only in digital copies, and it generated these digital copies constantly. So now, every time you load a tweet, you're copying that tweet across the network. If you look at someone's Instagram photo, you just copied that photo to your device. Copies are now zipping around us incessantly and invisibly. You can't see or touch these copies. They're just bundles of data shooting across networks, often at light speed. We don't notice how often we're making copies, but nowadays we're doing it pretty much all day long. In a very short span of time, less than a couple decades, media pretty much stopped being physical objects and became intangible data. We transitioned from an era of scarcity to an era of plentitude. Here's Casey again. Well, in, in general, all previous eras of entertainment products have been governed by scarcity. There were fixed costs in you know, manufacturing and distributing a product. There's limited shelf space and so on and so forth. The internet obviously flattened that completely. Now you have a situation where consumers are, and fans are, are, have so much more control uh, and autonomy over the end product, and in some cases you know, can even sort of evolve that product further. We now live in the age of digital media and constant copying. Consuming media became easier, more flexible, and more powerful, but also producing media became easier, more flexible, and more powerful. Rather than having to find a publisher who can make a bunch of paper copies of your book and ship them around the world, you can now potentially post your book on the internet and find a worldwide audience. Now, anybody can be a creator. Culture is no longer so passive, so one-way, as it was in the age of physical media. We've become co-creators. We transform media, recontextualize it, add new meaning to it, we even add new value to it. We've all become important contributors to the cultural conversation. The first time many of you noticed this change might have been back in 2007. A prank developed on the anonymous image board 4chan and then went viral. It was a simple bait-and-switch gag. You claim to be sharing something intriguing, but actually... It's the video of Rick Astley's 1987 hit, Never Gonna Give You Up. This became known as Rick Rolling. You could probably Rick Roll somebody in Bangladesh and they would understand what was happening. An unanticipated outcome of Rick Rolling was that it revived the career of Rick Astley. Countless people first heard Rick Astley through Rick Rolling. The song circulated widely again without him or his record company doing anything, and internet culture added a new humorous meaning to the song. And in turn, Astley and his partners benefited financially. Since then, we've seen this happen countless times. Like, listen to this. Hello darkness, my old friend. There's a good chance, especially if you're young, that you're now thinking of the Sad Affleck viral video, in which Ben Affleck stares forlornly off into space after being informed that critics hate his latest film. This video caused the song, Simon and Garfunkel's The Sounds of Silence, to shoot up to number six on Billboard's Hot Rock Songs chart. And most recently, Toto's 1982 hit, Africa, was streamed six million times in a week and became a top seller. This was fueled in large part by social media posts making jokes about how much people love this song, as well as a tribute video made by the actors Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, which they shot in Africa, obviously. 
Weezer and Weird Al Yankovic recently tapped into Africa's resurgence and did a cover of the song, which has been streamed many millions of times. Nearly 40 years after Africa was a hit, Toto is again playing sold-out shows. This more interconnected, more social form of creativity can benefit innovative artists like Drake. This new era will be an exciting time for modern artists, full of challenges, and opportunities. The exciting part of this is that creators are no longer held behind layers of a corporate bureaucracy. And, you know, I think the conversation that artists can have with their audiences, that's a pretty fascinating thing that has no real antecedent historically. I think the opportunity for folks to be able to experiment with their expression in a more unfettered way is an exciting thing and hopefully would lead to more interesting and challenging art. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We will see you next time with a brand new episode of Copy This. Left, right, throw, here. Right, left, throw, here. And here. And here. And again. Here.